Welcome everyone back to the Normal Christian Life podcast. This is Father Christopher Tremor, and I'm joined again by my brother, Father Michael Tremor, and my good friend, Joe Herring. We wanted to continue our discussion from our previous episode about baptism in the Holy Spirit. We thought that conversation was, was really good, and was we touched on a lot of things, but we wanted to go back to that topic, and maybe specifically just to bring it into a, a little bit broader discussion about the importance of the supernatural in our Christian faith as we live it, the importance of actually experiencing God in prayer, uh, through the sacraments, through ministry, uh, experiencing God in, in miraculous and tangible ways, and really emphasize, we want to emphasize that the importance, like the continued importance today of the supernatural, things that we read about on almost every page of Scripture, experiences that uh, Old Testament figures had, the patriarchs, Moses, David, all these people who encountered God, and then obviously in the New Testament as well, through Jesus and, and the apostles, and, and all these wonderful signs and wonders, um, amazing things happening, and, and just to, to d- talk about how we encounter God today, and d- does that look like what we see in Scripture in any way? Should it look like what we see in the Scripture? Uh, do uh, for you who are listening, like, do you expect God to work in your life, to move in your life, to touch you? Uh, do you expect to encounter Him in ways that, in any way, resemble the way people in the Bible experience God? And if not, why not? So that's what we want to talk about today, and and I think it it really is a good way to continue our discussion about baptism in the Holy Spirit. Yeah, this is a point we'll probably return to again, but. I think there really is a temptation to have this uh, experience-based theology. So maybe we experience God in more notable ways a lot of times. I know for a lot of my life, did not really experience God in any sort of noticeable way. It was just like pure blind faith. And so we can have a theology that's based off our experience. We're like, well, I've never, you know, I've never seen angels. I've never heard God speak. I've never felt God's presence in a, in a powerful way, so I'm going to build a belief system, or at least I'm going to focus on passages that um, align with my experience versus not align, uh, or or I exclude the ones that don't align with my experience. And I know, I know, like a, I think a, a big temptation would be like, well, you know, blessed are those who have not seen and believed, and so our lack of experience we can actually even like applaud that like, wow, I actually have the most noteworthy faith. Like other people, they experience God. Or I remember like just being at a conference or something, seeing people like with praise and worship, you know, they're lifting up their hands and they're like smiling. I'm like, yeah, this is either kind of fake or too um, emotional. Yeah, that's other fake or I just like, I just like, I mean, I just don't need that, you know. I'm like they kind of need above that. that level. They need that, but I don't need that. Yeah, that people who are weaker, right. people who are simpler, maybe people who aren't can't understand at a deeper deeper level. Maybe like God, it's kind of a crutch, and maybe even God gives it to him, but like it's for weak people in some way or or simpler people. Yeah, and so um, I know this is had been my experience for a while. I think it's a lot of people's experiences. Yeah, blessed are those who have not seen and believed, and so. Well, yeah, you know what? I'm uh, 
maybe just my path is like, I don't ever hear God speak. I don't ever feel his love. I don't ever sense his presence. I don't ever sense him moving in my life. But it's just, you know, maybe I'm like Mother Teresa or maybe this, and maybe this is like some test of faith, basically. And, um, and yeah, it, I think people can feel like, yeah, this is this is most the, the most profound level of Christianity. Like this is what things sh- should be, basically. And um, yeah, seeing experience basically as a crutch. And I think we would we would say that um, faith is important, and there's times where we don't know everything God's doing, and so faith definitely is something. But we would not say that it's uh, experience is a bad thing. I think this is this is a really interesting point to consider here. Um, so we, I think we can be a little we can be a little double-minded sometimes um, in our just general attitude where it's like, um, on the one hand, we're looking at these at charismatics doing all this stuff and they're like, well, they're making it all about experience. It's like, it's all about experience for them. They're, they're obsessed with ex- experiencing God and they're just running after these um, emotional highs and stuff. And, but then we start to define how our faith is based on our experience, which has not been as exciting. So it's like, well, this is how the faith is supposed to be because this is my experience. It's like, well, you were right, actually right the first time. <laughs> it's like, it's not about your experience or their experience per se. It's about what does the Scripture and what does the lives of the saints testify to us what the normal Christian life is supposed to look like and feel like. And our feelings are extremely important. Like God created us, and, and, and I did say feelings and not just deep, deep, deep emotions on purpose. Like our felt everyday experience is, rela- it's a part of, of who we are as human beings and we're meant to glorify God with all of who we are. Um, and I might butcher this, I'm trying to remember this off the top of my head, but St. Thomas Aquinas basically says that, you know, uh, when our emotions are involved in glorifying and praising God, then it's a more perfect prayer because it's kind of proof of a deeper and and stronger mm-hmm. act of the will, which is fundamental mm-hmm. to love. Right. But in any case, there's a lot of different places in in, in the Church throughout its history that show this. I mean, this is really theology of the body is very much on this point, um, this whole point of our unity as human human beings. But I just want to say, let's not be, uh, let's not have a double standard here with regards to experience where it's like, well, their experience is not important, but mine is, and mine defines how uh, Christianity is supposed to look. Yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a question of of like a, of a starting point or like, what are the parameters? I, I just, I just keep stubbornly wanting to go back to the witness of scripture and the experience of people in scripture. And if, if people, every single person that you see in scripture who is moved to believe in God, who is moved to follow God, who is called by him in some way, who's moved to serve God, they all have very direct, very powerful experiences and powerful encounters with him. And um, you know, oftentimes miraculous things happening. And there's a, so I mean, when we, the Old Testament, maybe, maybe people would, would just think like, well, 
you know, people didn't have the revelation or people didn't have a clear, uh, you know, a teaching of the faith that was being handed down yet. And so it was, things were a little bit, uh, weren't as clear. So they needed some more, they needed the more signs. But then if we fast forward to Jesus, you're, you're looking at people, Jesus, all of his ministry was marked by uh, de- preaching, like the proclamation of the kingdom of God, but then he would always demonstrate it. He would always, the, the preaching was always accompanied by signs and wonders, by healings, um, by prophetic, sharing prophetic knowledge, knowing things about people uh, that he couldn't have known otherwise. Um, and then also, really importantly, the, the, that's how he taught the apostles, his disciples, to go out and to, to proclaim the kingdom of God. Every time he commissioned them, every time he sent them out, telling them to not just preach to people, uh, you know, to argue with them, to show them why maybe they were wrong about what they believed, or to try to help them to understand the truth about God and the truth about who Jesus is. Like, all that's obviously true, and, what you know, that was part of their mission. But he always told them to go out and to, to heal the sick uh, and to do to, to drive out demons, like the signs that same signs that he did. And so I just I can't accept at this point with my experience of of the power that can come through the Holy Spirit, the power in ministry and the power in our own prayer, the power how God touches us through through prayer, through worship and all these different ways. I can't accept uh, a way of looking at Christianity, a way of understanding Christianity that is completely different from the way the first Christians experienced it. I can't accept that the way that people today are supposed to come to faith is somehow just very different from the way almost everyone was coming to faith when Jesus himself was preaching. And I think it, it's either a really deep misunderstanding about human nature, that it somehow could change that much, in the modern times, right? Well, people today are just totally different. Oh, this doesn't work for modern people. It doesn't work for modern people. This like myth of the modern man that somehow we're just totally different. Uh, or it's a, a kind of pride, um, that says like, we've moved beyond that. And like, we, we know how to, how to do it better. We can do it in a more uh, reliable way or like a more respectable way or controlled way or whatever it might be. So that's my thought on that in general. Well, yeah, even um, what's what's interesting is that in, if you want to actually look at modern man, people really, they're not often really guided by a real love of truth anyways, uh, which I'm not applauding. I think people should be more centered around truth, but if we're trying to increase our faith and help bring other people to faith, people are going to want to experience it, and people maybe should be a little more, you know, hard-headed or yeah like more truth-based but more rational but so yeah even in modern times there is even more of a need for experience but yeah i think your point still stands regardless of what age we're in that like all of us needs to experience god not just our mind but our bodies our emotions our feelings our imagination i think uh, i think something we can do in so many areas it just works so well and it's just so easy it's just comparing our relationship with God to a friendship or specifically a marriage. I would say if your marriage is not con- like on a consistent basis, your marriage is lacking feelings. Something is wrong. That being said, um, I don't think it always has to be the case. And I think those times when the feelings aren't there, that's like actually a beautiful way that the love is tested. 
uh, certainly. So there, there is that dynamic, but at the same time, um, as an overall, um, like an overall description of the relationship, it should be something that's um, e- experienced and felt throughout. Yeah, throughout the yeah. I, I think there's a there's a confusion of of what you just the word testing that you just said. Like there's a confusion of how God uh, in His relationship with us. I mean, a lot of all the spiritual writers talk about this, like the time of purification. Um, different kinds of uh, different types of dark nights, um, but just how God uses experiences of distance or a lack of consolation or lack of felt consolation, and we don't feel that in prayer, and how that purifies our desires and makes us press in. It makes us pursue Him. It makes our desire grow for Him, confusing that time of testing, that time of where He seems distant, with somehow being the ideal of love. And so it's like, Jesus himself, he came from the bosom of the Father. He rejoiced in the Father. He had a constant experience of the Father throughout his life. When he was in the garden, and especially when he was on the cross, he experienced a great uh, detachment, like a great, um, you know, just obscuring of his experience of God, of his vision of God. And um, obviously that's a that's a really profound mystery, and it's uh, we don't really fully understand what that meant for Jesus, but he clearly, he, he himself went through this time where he, he showed his love in a really powerful way when he wasn't able to feel uh, feel the Father present, and he showed his obedience and that his, his love would push through that dark night. But we don't want to confuse the temporary need for a dark night or like a time of of, of distance from God with like somehow being a more pure form of faith, like real faith would, would believe without feeling anything. That's, that's not what we don't want to set that up. Yeah. I mean, we're talking here about the normal Christian life, right? The normal Christian life is a life where we experience the reality of who God is to us and who we are to him. Normally, I think we should be experiencing consolation. I, I don't. I don't just think there, there's more than ample evidence of that. I mean, at what we read on Sunday <laughs> in the readings. I mean, come on, like look at the readings of Saint Paul again. Like he's talking about faith, hope, and charity. He's talking about all these things. He's not just thinking up this stuff. It's like you see all the stuff that he's doing. This is stuff that's fruit of his experience. And I'm not just saying they're all just these fuzzy feelings. No, there's like. You can have feelings that truly transform who you are. They're not just feelings, but but the, there's a substantial change that is happening in you as the Lord is purifying you and as He's taking you deeper in relationship with Him, and that is going to be felt. That's going to be known on mm-hmm. an experiential level. It has to be. Otherwise, what use is it reading all the, the scripture of these, you know, the scripture and the spiritual <laughs> writers and the saints? who are trying to guide you along this path if there's nothing there. The norm, the usual thing, should be consolation. Why? Because we can always be grateful. We can always be filled with joy. We can always be filled with hope because we have a God who infinitely loves us, even though there's nothing we can do to increase or lessen that in our lives. Just, you know, it's it's like that's the good news, and it should be experienced as good news ordinarily. Yeah, amen to that. Um, just again, just a, if you're in case you're like getting lost in like experience and consolation, desolation, feelings. Again, we're just continuing from the baptism of the Spirit. We shared testimonies, these felt experiences of God's love, 
and we're just speaking to this suspicion or just just maybe it's not even suspicion just like should um should we be like tangibly experiencing god's love and presence and power and so that's what we're on but just continue to pick up from what joe was just saying yeah uh we should we we can seek consolation assuming that we're in in seeking consolation we're we're seeking god and not just like a just a feeling in itself like the feeling isn't the end in itself but um we're we're seeking god who is our source of joy and so that means we would have joy if we're experiencing god but let me say this so i just people hear about mother Teresa and they hear that she was in this like dark night and she didn't like experience god's like presence in a particularly like tangible powerful way it was this very trying state and everybody thinks when they're not experiencing God, everyone thinks they're in their like their own little Mother Teresa moment. And that's just simply not true. Unless there's like a really advanced mystic listening to this podcast. So that's great. But uh, a lot of times we basically experience dryness. We experience separation from God. Uh, we might not feel like prayer works. That's called desolate. That's what Ignatius calls desolation. And desolation is supposed to be resisted. That means you don't accept it. You don't embrace it. It's not like a storm. You just kind of, well, I'll just kind of wait this out. It's like, well, maybe you have desolation because um, you're believing this lie about God. Um, but either way, like God does not. And there's a difference between this dark night that Mother Teresa experienced and desolation. Um, but for, for, for desolation, it's not a good thing. Like God definitely brings good out of it, but it's not something that you want to just stay in. Like, I don't feel God's love. I don't feel his presence. I don't feel connected to him in prayer. It's valuable in the sense that you resist it. Like, wait, if you put uh, a barbell of 150 pounds over my chest, that's not good. It is good if I, you know, push it away from me because it's going to make me stronger. But I'm not just going to let that thing sit on my chest. And so that's what that's what desolation is. is. And so, yeah, people are like, man, I, I don't often experience God's closeness. I don't experience his love. Um, again, on a consistent basis, um, that's something we want to, we want to look at. Yeah. So just looking at the experience of the saints, people like mother Teresa or any other saint, uh, there's always a temptation to read about their experiences and just kind of to admire it. And maybe to, to kind of read all these spiritual diaries of saints and these writings of, of mystics and different people. And to think that, the purpose of that is for us to vicariously enjoy someone else's relationship with the Lord. It's like, like, well, there's a few people who are just really specially chosen by God to have this kind of close relationship with Him, to hear His voice in prayer, to encounter Him in these more powerful ways, and then the rest of us get to enjoy that sort of, like, we get to get the crumbs that fall from the table, and we have this kind of secondhand spiritual life where we just enjoyed the, the secondhand smoke of like the, of the saints and people who are like, actually, well, they really experience God. And we just kind of um, get to read about it later. The, the beautiful thing about the saints is like the church is holding them up as models. And maybe we mentioned this in an earlier episode, but it just always bears repeating. It's like they're being held up as models of the Christian life of like the normal Christian life of, like, yeah, this is what is available through the Holy Spirit. 
whether it's like great graces and prayer, uh, powerful intimacy with the Lord, strength and empowerment for mission, for serving, for evangelization, all these other gifts of the Holy Spirit. They're meant to inspire us to like to know that we have what they have and that we can go out and live that way too. Obviously, it doesn't mean that any given person's life is going to perfectly reflect a, a specific saint's life, but that's why there's so many different saints, right, with different gifts and, and different uh, different prayer lives. That they're, they're very different from each other, but they all manifest uh, the holiness of Jesus. They, they all manifest an, an image of Jesus in the world that we are supposed to be doing that too. We're not just supposed to read about it. Yeah, and like, how is, like, how did Padre Pio do miracles? Like, what enabled St. Teresa Avila to be such a woman of prayer? What, like, enabled St. Paul or St. Augustine to have so much passion and, and zeal? Like, was that just their own efforts? Because that doesn't seem like a, a gospel that's really based on grace. That's like a, basically like an advanced Pharisaism of just people self having self-reliance. I don't think they did have that. It was through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, very simply, makes you holy. <laughs> and so, like, when people are just like, oh, this is, you know, they had these experiences. They heard God speak. They were passionate. They were zealous. It's like, you have the same Holy Spirit. You don't have a different version. And you actually know, you don't have the same Holy Spirit as St. Teresa of Avila and St. Augustine. You have the same spirit that Jesus had. It's like, that's what Roman says, right? Um, if, like, you have the same spirit of Jesus, and um, if you have that same spirit, like, who raised Jesus from the dead, you, he will raise your mortal bodies to life also. It's like the same Holy Spirit that like, raised Jesus from the dead. Like, you have that as well. And it's the same principle, too, for, like, you know, whoever believes in me will do the works that I do yeah. and greater works than these. Um, Jesus was living, lived his life under the power of the Holy Spirit. He showed us what it looks like to be, uh, yes, he is fully God. Um, uh, he's also fully man and he lived his human life under the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's very clear that he didn't want to act apart from the Holy Spirit's, uh, the what the father was doing. He saw what the father was doing. And then he did that through the power of the Holy Spirit is, and it's not just some theological, nice sounding thing, very abstract or very lofty theology. It's very concrete. Like he chose how to pray for people, and he he spoke like on the basis of trying to follow the, of, of following the Holy Spirit's prompting. I think we often don't know what to make of the saints sometimes, um, as you know, those of us in the pews or whatever. I think we often look at them and we're like, either we think that again, like Father Michael said, they're earning their way to holiness through their own extraordinary, you know, self-driven efforts, or else they're just, you know, gifted from the cradle in these extraordinary ways by God. And actually, I think there's I, there's more truth to the second one than the first one. Um, Padre Pio was seeing visions of angels and supernatural beings as a small child. Um, and uh, so I think there's definitely more evidence for the second one. Now, here's the thing. There are some people who are regarded um, with by, like, um, you know, Monsignor Rossetti calls them spiritual sensitives. So there are some people who have gifts to see into the supernatural realm um, for good or for 
for evil sometimes. Now, this is not something that the church has definitively decided on, but there seems to be a lot of evidence that there are people like this. Um, but there's also, I think one thing that we need to understand is that Jesus is giving a very broad invitation in the scriptures to everyone to live a life that is supernaturally charged, whether or not you're a spiritual sensitive. Um, in any case, I mean, I had a moment, I was watching a video, I'm not saying that this was a a really profound supernatural experience in an extraordinary sense, but it, it really did strike strike me and s stick with me. I was watching a video of Padre Pio s celebrating Mass outside. Um, it was uh, it was aired on television back in I don't know, maybe the early '60s, um, but this was before he got really sick, um, and uh, you could just really see, man, you could see him, you know, shifting his feet during because because they were in his stigmata were in such pain during the elevation of the Eucharist, you could see him, you know, uh, using a handkerchief to blow his nose because he was crying all the way through Mass. And I was just watching this and just, there was just a series of moments where I felt like I was there with him. And the, and the sense that really struck me was almost like he was telling me this was like, I am an ordinary person just like you, but I was highly favored by God. Just like, there was nothing different than you and me. It was just that God gave me a lot of graces. It was kind of like, he was like, it was almost like he felt like there was somebody who was ready to hear what he always wanted to tell everybody, which is like, hey, I'm not that special, okay? It's like, it's just, all the glory goes to God, you know, and to Our Lady. Because um, he had that amazing, profound relationship with the Blessed Mother as well. So, I don't know. It just, I just want to say like, we are all called to that communion with the Lord in heaven. And even on this earth, like we're living in the kingdom right now and we're invited to that intimacy and to that experience of intimacy. So let's just, let's, let's believe that yeah. there's a lot more that can happen in our experience and right. in, in our navigation of the supernatural realm than what we've been used to. Yeah. Faith, Faith has such a creative power. All these things should just inspire us. There's quite a, a variety of experiences and miracles that happen, and they should inspire us in us of faith. Like, do we believe, do you believe, listening, that, like, God loves to say yes? Like, I, I think of the creativity of Peter's faith. Like, when Jesus was walking on the water, he said, Hey, Lord, if that's you, command me to, like, you know, bid me to come out to the water to you. Jesus didn't say, hey, like, I'm the ones walking on water. You know, you're you're a man. Like, you know, don't test me. Maybe we could talk about that because, you know, Jesus talks about the Pharisees. You know, you shouldn't put God to the test. So if you guys want to comment on that. But uh, faith really has this, like, possibility to, yeah, faith can create these possibilities of, like, hey, like, just, just ask. Like, ask and you shall receive. Peter's like, yeah, bid me to come on the water. And was it necessary really at all for his salvation, like for him to walk in the water? Not at all, but he had the faith and um, this faith like allowed him to have this profound experience. Yeah, I think God like delights in, in just sort of creating those new possibilities and, and new ways of, of seeking him and experiencing him through people's faith. You think about the, the woman who was hemorrhaging for 12 years and there's no evidence that 
anybody had talked to her about how Jesus healed people or like, you know, specific ways. Uh, yet she's, you read that she, for she, she said to herself, if I could only touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. Like uh, she was right, but where did she get that idea? <laughs> like, like if I just touched that, I didn't even plan on talking to him or like asking him to, to pray for her or anything. It was just like, ah, if I do that. And that was like her, the, her desire for healing and her great faith and her sense of expectation that he could heal filled her with that conviction. And I, I think it's very, uh, it's so important to hear these, uh, hear testimonies, not just from scripture, but from you know, the lives of the saints and other people, even in our own time about the supernatural, about people's, other people's experiences of God, because it, it should, and it can awaken in us a desire and an expectation that God will do that in my life as well. I think it's really strange and unnatural. I think it's very, I think that's the best word I can think of for it is unnatural. When you hear stories about some of these things and it doesn't like inspire any interest in you. Like if you're a, you're a believing Christian, you say you believe in God. Yes. You believe that God has done these miracles, uh, you know, in some people's lives. Yes. And then you hear about one and it's like, maybe even somebody that you know or somebody from your church or whatever. And it's like, Oh, like, wow, that's cool. Like, like that's amazing. <laughs> like, or, you know, yeah. somebody being prayed over for healing and someone was healed and it's like, wait, that's a thing. Um, that was, that was just how I, I honestly, I, I shared my testimony in an earlier episode, but just realizing how prevalent healing specifically was today and just you know these other yeah. other kinds of ministry where the lord is moving in miraculous ways it was really exciting it's like i felt like a little kid i got a i don't know like at a some big amusement park or something it's like this is amazing like uh it's still happening and like lord god's still doing this stuff and and if that doesn't get you excited i i just um and it's not to blame people like i'm not shaming people for not getting excited about it i think we've just I think people have a maybe just a lot of disappointment in their spiritual life from feeling like maybe getting their hopes up or thinking that God was going to do something a certain way and then it didn't happen. And so through disappointment and through being and being hurt by feeling like hurt by God or feeling maybe somehow let down by God and even more by other people or by the church, people have uh, their expectation has fallen down all the way to the level of their their experience of just like this is how it's always going to be this is all that I'm ever going to get and they've maybe learned to be content with that and so they're they're a little bit jaded and they're not really willing to desire more yeah and I think there should we should have experiences really profound experiences I mean I think healing is in a certain sense a way of experiencing God's love but just in general, like ways of experiencing God's love. Like Romans 8 says, uh, like the Spirit has been poured into our hearts uh, and through which we cry out, Abba, Father. There's a, it's like this internal thing, like stirs up in you and it's not some like intellectual acknowledgement, like you cry out, Abba, Father. And so we should really, maybe not every single day, but we should really have experiences of God's love. I mean, can you imagine if like, I don't have a kid, but for 
if you can imagine having a kid or if you actually do have a kid, um, someone's saying like, Hey, like, have you like, have you experienced like your, your mother's love for you or your father's love for you? They said, well, you know, um, I know they, yeah, I mean, they provide for, they provide for me and I know like they're saving some money for college for me and I know they spend a lot of time working for me, but yeah, like, like what's the time like you've like experienced your parents love? Well, you know, it's, 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 it's not all about the feelings, but I just, I just know they do. It's like, that is not a great relationship. And so a lot of this is like, you know, even like I have my experience of basically experiencing that, like the spirit being poured into our hearts, we cry out, Abba, Father. I mean, that was my experience of baptism, the spirit, like the experience of being a child of God, the experience of freedom. Like sometimes it's just like, we can nuance some things, but like, it's just, we hear about the fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, especially love, joy, peace, things like freedom. Like it's, it's almost like a contradiction to talk about that without the emotion or the, like the experience. Like what does it even mean to have like an emotionless joy uh, and peace and freedom like that this that this doesn't really make sense but anyway so i i did experience that in my experience of baptism in the spirit and there's other moments too and i will say you know there there was a time uh, after that maybe a year later i was on retreat and i was just like really wanting to encounter god in that way and so i think there was a little bit of um kind of a, a grasping or just wanting that same type of experience but you know, as as time went on, there there was some more maturing going on. But, you know, at this point, I have like really powerfully experienced God's love tangibly and and multiple different times. That being said, like there's so so many days where prayer time with the Blessed Sacrament, doing a Holy Hour every day, is very ordinary. <clears throat> I do have a greater sense of just how God speaks to me in very simple and subtle ways. But, you know, sometimes I go to conference and, like, when people get prayed over, sometimes they have really powerful experiences. Um, and, like, so I can honestly say when I go to a conference, I get prayed over. I'm not like, oh, am I going to have an emotional experience or not? Like, I'm just, totally I'm just totally detached. And I don't say so much just to talk about myself, but just to say, you know, it's possible to be experiencing God emotionally, tangibly, but also just not having like a spiritual sweet tooth basically. But I think really what we want to do in this podcast is to just invite you to really seek to experience God, um, just experience him more tangibly and specifically um, emotionally. I like what Father Michael's just saying now about, um, you know, I think what basically what John on the cross calls spiritual gluttony because of course St. John of the Cross was very familiar with um the the powerful experiences that people would have as they started out the journey right of life in the spirit and spiritual gluttony is where you you start seeking uh, uh the gifts of God more than the God of the gifts right um and the feelings and all that and i especially like i have i do have a real compassion um and like I don't mean this at all in a demeaning way. Like for anybody who's listening and certainly some of my friends who may or may not be listening, who have told me like, Hey, I've never had a powerful experience of God. And here's the thing. And I, and I just want to make this particularly clear. Most of your experiences of God 
in your daily life are not going to be powerful, and it's not necessarily the way that God wills it to be. They're not going to be overwhelming, you know, waves of love every time you walk into a church. Uh, but you're going, you're going to learn how to like, you're going to learn to notice him on a daily basis in prayer, like whether that's as a presence or as an absence, you're going to experience something in your interior life if you have that belief and that expectation. Um, I just want to continue to reiterate uh, reiterate that. There's an interesting, um, like with the whole powerful experience thing too, um, what came to mind is a little story, um, part of the journey of Father Mike Scanlon, who uh, did all that work in kind of renewing Steubenville, uh, Franciscan University and all that. Um, and he, uh, when he first got baptized in the spirit, he would feel like his heart racing. He'd, he'd feel like just energy all the time when he prayed with people. Um, of course, I don't mean that in a new agey way, but you know what I mean? Like, you just feel like this electricity and all that. And then he actually kind of heard the Lord speak to him one day in prayer. It's like, you're not going to feel me like that anymore. And he was like, um, okay. And then he just, he didn't, he didn't, I mean, he would feel the Lord from time to time after that, uh, especially as the Lord led him into a deeper contemplative prayer later in his life. But but he said that after that point, he wouldn't feel those manifestations of the Spirit in the course of his daily work, even when he was operating in the charisms of the Holy Spirit. It was just, the Lord was had told him, basically, you're going to start walking by faith, not by sight. Right? So, um but again, walking by faith and not by sight doesn't mean you're going to have a completely dry and absent spiritual experience. That means that you're putting faith in the promises of God and in the substance of God's Word and His truth before your personal experience, no matter what that is. So, yeah. We are covering a broad topic, too, here. Because in one sense, talking about like manifestations of the Holy Spirit, feeling his presence in a more manifest way, connected but not necessarily exactly the same, having like our emotions being enlivened by the Holy Spirit. So even, I mean, I think you would probably say, Joe, that um, Father Scanlon was still probably a guy of like, you know, joy and, you know, a man of praise and a man of expressing his faith, right? Um so right, you know there, the, fuzz, the fuzzy, the, the the fuzzies, the warm fuzzies, the physical manifestations of the spirit's presence, um, were not with them all the time, especially after that that fir those first moments, and um, that's the point I want to get across. It's not like, I think some people are even freaked out by the thought that that's what their whole life is going to be like from then on, and it's not, it's not. I promise you, it's not going to be like that. But yeah, but then the, the third, the kind of third thing I would say is like. You know, we're we're really in this podcast talking about like an experiential faith, and like a super like a, you know, going after the supernatural, and so yeah, there would be manifestations, there would be more uh, emotions, there'd be more an expression of faith, expressions of praise. But that being said, there is just again a, just a general seeking after God's power, like seeking after the supernatural, like expecting miracles as well. And so Father Michael Scanlon definitely was seeing God move in big ways. And he wasn't just like, well, everything's just going to be very mysterious. I'm not going to see a lot of fruit, but like he was, he was also seeking after, you know, 
he was expecting God to show up in power too. So, you know, hopefully it's not too confusing that we're kind of talking about all these things, but the reality is that like our tendency, there is a, uh, there is a tendency, uh, an over, uh, an imbalance could be spiritual gluttony. We're just seeking after the feelings for the sake of the feelings. And yeah, there's just maybe not seeking after God in his will. But I think the reason we're having this podcast is because there's the opposite of that tendency of like spiritual gluttony is like too focused on that. There can be a tendency to just be like, um, I don't even know what the name for that would be, but just really a lack of expectancy in could be I mean it takes different God. forms. Could be like intellectualism or just kind of fideism, like just faith just because like the sense of just blind faith. Um, yeah, you're looking at two, two different extremes. And I think, I think the the key is everything that we're talking about. The unifying principle of all of it is just like, what does God want for us? How does God want us to experience him? And what has he revealed about how he wants us to experience him, uh, in prayer in, through the mass, like in, through, in, through the, through the lives of the saints and other people who have been especially fruitful how did they what's the pattern of how people encounter God so it's not about uh, thinking I need to have this kind of experience right now in this moment or on this retreat or at this mass but we really should make our standard for what's possible and what we have permission to desire from God and to seek from God and to ask from God we should make the standard of that scripture and the lives of the saints and what the church actually teaches not just whatever I've happened to experience up to this point in my life. And we're acknowledging, like like, like Joe was saying, like the, the difficulty and the pain of that for some people that they really don't feel that connection with the Lord or they don't think that they've ever experienced Him in a powerful way. But I just want to invite people to um, sort of, if, if that's been a frustration or if you feel like you've fallen into one extreme or the other, like it's, it's always, we're always trying to, have our mind renewed and to just be converted back to what has God revealed about his plan for us? Like he, his love for us and how he wants us to experience that, especially as, as Michael was saying through the Holy spirit being poured into our hearts. Yeah. And a big thing we, we talk about a lot is just renewal in the church, especially like evangel evangelization as well. And something that's so powerful in like evangelization is having like a real excitement about one's faith, a real passion for one's faith, a real zeal. And so much of evangelization is <clears throat> testimony. Uh, let's see if I can remember this correctly. The, um, the, the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. Is that right? Yeah. Father Christopher? Testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Yeah. Okay. Revelation so like, 19.10. And it says, you know, the, um, the saints were victorious through their their testimonies, right? Through the power of their testimony. It's like, what does it mean to have a testimony without like experiencing God's power? It's like, hey, you should be, uh, you should believe in Jesus. You should be Catholic. Like, why? Well, it's, you know, here's these list of reasons. Again, I'm all about, I, I do like apologetics. I do think the reasons are important, but like, St. Paul used argumentation too, but there's also miracles as well. Uh, yeah. God's power as well. Yeah. Did we share that scripture? We, we might have shared it, on, and it wasn't in the last episode, but 
it's I think it really captures that with St. Paul in First Corinthians. He's describing he's describing like how he preached the gospel among the Corinthians. And, you know, he had his earlier encounters where he preached uh, to the Greeks and he was making all these arguments and trying to use like philosophy and convince them about God. And that was all uh, important. Like he, that was a one way that he shared the gospel. But he said that when he came to the Corinthians, he said, I came to you in weakness and in fear and with much trembling. And then he says, my, my speech, my message were not in uh, plausible words of wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Like, how can you, yeah, how can you share the gospel in in the demonstration of the Spirit? And how can people, how, what is, what do you, in what way would you be sharing the gospel that when people hear the message, their faith is going to be based on the power of God. Just think about that. Like, it, it, you have to have a testimony of how God moves in power, of how God um, changed your life, of how God, how you encounter God. Uh, that's how people are going to put their faith in God's power. Because uh, if I can just be come across as really smart and people find me, I don't know, convincing or winsome, it's like as long as I'm able to maintain that image and people are still find me convincing or compelling, they might continue to believe, but how are we going to actually get people to really put their faith in God? And that's where testimony is so important. Yeah. If you ask me that scripture passage, like six years ago, like, what does that mean? Like, I have no idea. I mean, in some, <laughs> I would have no idea what I'd actually say. Like, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, like, like, cause I did put so much emphasis on just apologetics and reasons and human wisdom and human arguments, but not in the power of God. Something I honestly <laughs> should have started this podcast with, because I think it just captures things so well, but you have it now. This is Pope Benedict's quote. I think he was Pope when he said this. He might have been, you know, Cardinal Ratzinger at the time. But he says this, <clears throat> excuse me, a dogmatic faith unsupported by personal experience remains empty. Mere personal experience unrelated to the faith of the church remains blind. So a dogmatic faith unsupported by personal experience remains empty. And man, for, for, for such a long time, um, you know, I don't want to, I don't be like throw myself under the bus too much. Like I experienced mysteriously Jesus's presence in the Eucharist. Um, I did experience, you know, consolations, in prayer that I couldn't identify, but I would say that it was a more of a dogmatic faith and it was unsupported by experience. So again, this is Pope Benedict who is not, he is not <laughs> like a, uh, no dummy sanguine, you know, emotional guy. Like he is rock solid intellect, you know, German, all of that. So yeah, he says that, uh, says uh, a dogmatic faith unsupported by personal experience remains empty. And so, yeah, I guess there, you know, we do want to encourage people to have be open to more obvious experiences, powerful experience of God's love. But as Joe is saying, you know, we can experience them in ordinary ways. And there, I mean, that is an important thing too. We, there's just simply just not enough time to talk about everything, but there is just a greater expectancy to experience God in ordinary ways. And so now like 
because I just have a greater sensitivity because I'm paying attention more and I'm more expectant, there's little movements in my soul. Uh, there's little things from prayer. There's little moments throughout the day where I'm noticing God's God's activity, basically. And so that's part of it, too, is just being sensitive to being more sensitive to the subtle things. But overall, in both, there's a greater expectancy in God. I think um, when it's really sorry. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of tension wherever you're trying to follow the spirit. There's a lot of tension, and, and there's and there's a lot of tension on this question of how important is experience, um, how much importance do we give it versus not give it, and so it sounds like we could be saying some things that almost seem to contradict each other sometimes here, especially where I'm saying like, well, experience isn't that important, and then our whole podcast topic is basically yeah, it's really important. Uh, there's another perspective that maybe I can sort of approach it from quickly here um father michael what was the second part of that that quote was it um experience without reference to christ becomes blind or something like that um he says he says mere personal experience unrelated to the faith of the church remains blind right so that it's like experience that doesn't have the substance and so i'm I'm always trying. I'm I'm always trying. It's just like the way my heart works is that I'm. I'm trying to see from the I guess a little more of the critics' position sometimes in these things where it's like, you know, um, what can go wrong if you focus too much on experience? And the problem essentially is sentimentality, which is something that I think, or emotionalism, which is something that I think charismatics people, who are pegged as charismatics, are often accused of being emotionalist or you know um you know kind of just flaunting their emotions or you know and uh because of this emphasis on personal experience and that is a real danger that's a real possibility that you could get focused on feeling the experience because these are exciting experiences and our lives can be kind of boring and so you can make that a kind of an idol again but Here's the thing. Let's 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 approach it from this angle. So first of all, I was saying we're not always experiencing stuff like that. We don't need to. And but here's why. Here's I think a way that we can approach this to where experience is not the end goal that we're always focused on, but it's also very important and far from being nothing. Right? In fact, it's it's vitally important. So I'm thinking about for instance um a talk by uh, that I saw by Angela Rivera about um, basically zeal for souls. And he basically asked people in the crowd, when was the last time that you wept in prayer for people who are going to hell? Okay. Weeping in prayer for people who are going to hell is a powerful experience, but you're not doing that for the experience. You're doing that for the people who are going to hell. Okay. I, I, I think that when we are following the Lord wholeheartedly, we're going to stop thinking about ourselves and our experiences, and we're just going to be living a real life, a much, much, much more real life that's tuned into the reality of how things are and tuned into the heart of the Father, which is a very, very powerfully, vibrantly alive heart. So we're going to have a lot of experiences, but that's not going to be our focus. And sometimes our days seem boring, and so we have to offer the sacrifice of the mundane present moment. 
But I'm, I'm just saying like our focus ultimately is on this life is real. Living our faith is real. It's founded on something real. And we're going to experience life differently because of it. That's, that's kind of, in essence, my point. Yeah, yeah, and you know, there's always a temptation when people are falling into extremes to just abandon outright whatever it was that those people were pursuing. So, in the case of people that are considered more charismatic, if there is uh, maybe some abuses or people falling into emotionalism or hysteria, the actual solution to that is to seek an authentic encounter with the Lord and to th- to seek authentic experiences with the Lord as the Lord wants to give them. It's not to abandon the role of the emotions and the faith. And, and I just see people, I, I, people that are very uh, solid in their faith. They're very orthodox and they're, they can explain it very well. And they're, they're, they they share their faith. I'm not, they, they live it in many ways but they've been wounded by uh, say, you know, excesses or people just artificially seeking some kind of experience or trying to force that person to have a certain experience and they're wounded by that. And so they kind of retreat or they, w- they withdraw from just all the affect and the emotion. Like, and, and just, they don't want that to play any part in their spiritual life. And um, yeah, that's, that's kind of, just writing off a whole part of your person. I mean, Joe, you mentioned earlier, you know, Thomas Aquinas saying that when our passions are engaged, we, we need to be, we need to use our re- reason to lead with reason to apprehend like what is truly valuable and to set our will on it. And then like when our passion, when we get to the point as we grow, the more our whole person can be oriented towards what we love and to what we know to be true. We know that God is true. Uh, we love him. We've set our whole life. Um, uh, we're pursuing him with our whole life. It, that should over time, as we can pursue that and we persist, our passions should get engaged. We should become a passionate witness to Jesus. I mean, look at anybody who promotes or tries to sell anything in like in the natural world and how much passion they have for it, how much passion people have for uh, sports and other hobbies and how they speak about it. Like how much more should our passions be engaged with when we're encountering the living God? And again, the solution is whenever, if that becomes excessive is to come back to, uh, yeah, to using reason and using the teachings of the faith as a corrective and as a guide. Um, but you should never just kind of speak compartmentalize or cut off a whole part of your human personality, which is your emotions. Right. Right. And it's just the the Hebrew, look at the the Jewish people, man, and look at like the Old Testament and just how these people understood that emotion was such a pivotal part of what it meant to be human and how it meant, you know, worshiping God and and praising God and and just knowing God. And our post-Enlightenment Western world is just gotten so fractured and we're just disconnected from our emotions and we think of our mind and emotions and all this stuff as like you know we just got a kind of a i think we're just finally with psychology and stuff we're starting to piece ourselves back together and just claiming again as human beings are that emotional affective side of us 
as just such a powerful powerful means to to glorify God and to and to be able to love him and to be able to be that light to other people in our spiritual life. Uh, Father Wilfred Stinnison talks about how there are people who are very advanced in their relationship with the Lord, um, but who may have um, these emotional blocks. They're kind of emotionally constipated or repressed, and they're not able to shine that light as well as they could. And it looks like Father Michael's kind of scanning through to see if he can find it now. I think that's just a really, uh, it's really, it's really an additional wounding that we're putting on ourselves if we make any sort of vows or we or we decide like I'm not going to be open to that anymore to spiritual experience because because that that was not good or that person wasn't there for my good and that's hard obviously but it's a this whole process is going to involve dying to self which is an essential part of the Christian life anyway so we're dying to self we're dying to our own expectations because we want to love God with our whole being Right, and so, and that's going to lead to deeper experiences of the Lord, but um, we have to be able to overcome yeah. that disappointment. Yeah, I like that you mentioned the, like the dying to yourself because it actually, for me, I have a very strong intellectual inclination and just a tendency toward that side of things. So for me, it was it actually took a lot of humility to admit that I needed, like, to have. A, to engage my emotions and my faith. I prided myself on being highly rational and that being my motivation in my faith and living my faith. I, I was kind of one of those people who wrote off the affective side of things to the point that even whenever I started to desire it and see the need for it, it, it took time for it to be awakened because I had really had suppressed it. And so that's something to, to be uh, aware of as you Maybe you're saying like, yeah, I, there is more. And I know that there's other people experiencing the Lord and these saints and all these stories. And I, do, I realize that I want that for myself. And just don't be discouraged as you try to open yourself to that, that it, it might not happen immediately. And um, I mean, the Lord can, can, can do whatever he wants, obviously. But like a lot of times it takes time to awaken that part of you that you've put to sleep in some way. So you got that quote, Michael? Yeah, it's, uh, man, it's so good. And we will actually talk about more of this in the context of inner healing, but we have been talking a lot about experiencing God and emotion. So I'll kind of read this quote, maybe share some last couple thoughts, and maybe we'll kind of land the plane here. But uh, I'm going to quote, a l hopefully it's not too much, but it's just, I don't know what part to take out. So this is uh, Father Wilfred Stinnison. Um, he has some books in Ignatius Press. I mean, one of my favorite authors. This is the, the Holy Spirit, Fire, Divine Love. He says, You shall love God and your neighbor with all your strength, not only in will and action. Even the feelings must be drawn in. If the emotional life is not part of love, life in some way becomes a lie. Then even your relationship with God will lack the quality of reality that can only be brought about by the feelings. We know, of course, that feelings decide how we interpret reality. Your whole being, spirit, soul, and body should become a song of praise to God and a visible revelation of the Spirit's power in you. A poor or blocked emotional life is not a good instrument on which the Spirit is to play. How will he be able to share his own joy with you if the roads to your uh, feelings are blockaded? Just got a little bit more here. What we call dryness in prayer 
Could it not be largely due to the general dryness and feelings that characterizes the lives of so many? Why would we have rich and beautiful feelings in our relationship with God when our relationships with others are cold and meager? This is the last part. Perhaps genuine mystical experiences would occur more often if the emotional life of many believing Christians were not so blocked. Amen. God works in every person, but if one has never experienced his own feelings because he has systematically repressed them, he should not be surprised if he does not experience something of God's presence either. God can certainly break through all the blockades, and sometimes he does in, a, in an almost spectacular way. But this is not something very common, and it is not something that we should anticipate. So again, uh, we're not going to talk um, totally about inner healing. That's going to be more for, for later on, but it does talk about emotion. And so, yeah, our whole our whole being should become an instrument through which the spirit can, um, you know, work through, can speak through, can, yeah, act through. Well, we'll have to talk about this more in the future, but I think a key word there is just vulnerability. And it it's so critical for human development and spiritual development. And, and it it's like Wilfred Sinison says, it, it translates over in both directions when we're vulnerable vulnerable with other people in our relationships and we allow ourselves to uh, be loved to be seen to be known and to have that emotional engagement with other people we are open to having a more uh, the, of a vulnerable encounter with the Lord and when we're more vulnerable with the Lord and we experience his love we can trust and we can open ourselves up to, to other people so um, it's yeah you're not you're never going to see somebody that's totally open and vulnerable like with other people and in their human relationships who uh, is just completely blocked off to the Lord, you know, if they're a believer and vice versa. Yeah. So I just, yeah, help bring this, uh, bring this to a close. So yeah, we're just, this whole thing has just been an invitation just to experience God more, uh, expect, expect more from him. Like, yeah. Father Christopher has been talking about the scriptures. This is just a scriptural reality. People experience Jesus. They encounter him. So yeah, read the New Testament. Read the Gospels. Read the Acts of the Apostles. Like, they're working miracles, and God doesn't shame them for saying, oh, like, you're trying to heal people? Stop seeking signs. Like, their miracles are bringing people to faith. There's other crazy things that happen, too. Like, you know, Philip uh, teleports. Like he teleports there's like yeah that happens in the bible like that's not like a vision. he actually teleports uh people regularly have interactions with angels and even if they're aware of them or not i mean they're certainly very involved anyways we're just trying to really renew our minds as father christopher said and just renew our minds as what is a normal christian life normal christian life is you know God is someone we can experience. He's He's real. He's active in us, and hopefully we can maybe draw draw you away from like a way that I used to live my life, which is like I just kind of have this intellectual intellectual facts about my faith. Like I know John six, I know things about the church fathers, and you know I just I just what I believe. Like I have these reasons and arguments for what I believe and why that's true, and I just I kind of cling to that those reasons, and I'm just like okay, I'm right. And do I experience God? Yeah, I guess in, in subtle ways, but um, for the most part, not really. 
not at least in any way that I could, I could articulate, but I'll just kind of learn like different Catholic apologetics. I'll learn different like Catholic or Christian trivia, you know, Bible trivia, kind of just learn these, learn these facts. And then um, I'll just kind of repeat that cycle until I get to heaven someday. Yeah. The, the testimony that you have is what gains you an audience. It's what it's what earns you a hearing. So whenever you have a testimony, the thing, the beautiful thing about testimony of how you've experienced God or how God's worked in your life is that it can't really be argued with. It's not, it, it's your experience. Uh, yep. Some people could think, well, you know, it's not falsifiable, so it's not really evidence. It's not evidence in the same way, but it is a, it is a story that, that you present that asks the person to it, it sort of gives the person a choice if they think that you're trustworthy or not and that's how testimony works and if they think that you're trustworthy and they believe your experience they might be willing to listen to you when you want to give them reasons so by the time people uh once somebody decides that they want to pursue uh discipleship that they want to be part of the church we have all the most amazing resources in the world and all the most the, the most beautiful and complete explanations of all these different teachings, why the church teaches this, why we practice our faith this way. Um, but it's um, to lead with those teachings, uh, unless somebody really expresses an interest in that, it, it oftentimes just doesn't doesn't go very far because the person has to have some kind of interest awakened in them. And testimony is a way to do that. A testimony of people who really experience God and not just... Um, talking about other other people but your own experience this is any other thoughts i think i'll just close this with a prayer all right name the father son holy spirit come holy spirit holy spirit i ask you help all of us just to experience more of the father's love that the father's love is not simply an idea it's not simply a concept uh, that you and the Father and Jesus are real people. Your love is a, is a real thing um, that's not just observed, but that um, our minds, our bodies, our souls can really experience. So, Holy Spirit, I ask you to awaken um, our, spiritual our spiritual senses. I ask you to everyone listening to this right now that you'd awaken their spiritual sensitivity uh, in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, I ask you just to activate... Uh, activate and renew and redeem and restore emotions uh, that people might have repre uh, repressed. I ask you to give us a greater vulnerability. I ask you to awaken um, an expressiveness uh, and an, an openness to experience, an openness to uh, your joy. I ask that your your freedom, yeah, your freedom, your love, your joy would be something that everyone here could experience and the holy spirit you take everyone on a journey uh of integration of integrating their emotions their 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 minds and their, uh, their mind and their reason uh their bodies that everything would be uh you would just integrate and and renew everything in them and yeah that we'd be people who can offer testimony, uh, testimonies of how we've encountered you, of how your supernatural power has broken into our lives and the lives of others around us.
Yeah, and the Lord just brought this scripture to my mind, so I wanted to speak it over all of our listeners from Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26. The Lord says, A new heart I will give you, and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will take out of your flesh the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Lord, we ask you for that heart of flesh, a recreated heart, and anything that is uh, hardened in us, anything that has turned cold, that is closed off, and even just our beliefs about how we're able to experience you or not experience you, Father, I ask that you break break down any of that stoniness, any of that hardness of heart, and replace it with a, a new docility, a new openness to your Holy Spirit, Lord. Yeah, Lord, and just um, in Jesus' name, I just I just break off, uh, break off any lies, or just help us not believe any lies that like, well, I'm I'm just this way. I'm just not uh, an emotional person. I'm just not an expression, uh, expressive person. Um, you know, this isn't, this isn't my style. This isn't for me or yeah, Jesus, will you just break off any lies that someone says, well, I'm just, I'm just too broken or this life of experience, this life of the supernaturals is not meant for me well, Lord, just to heal us from any pride, just to think that we, um, pride that we, we don't need that or that we're above experience. Um, so just heal us of any intellectual pride or intellectual self-reliance it's just to, to heal us of that and just continue to lead everyone here on a journey um that we would we would experience you in extraordinary ways but that we would also have a heightened sensitivity and expectancy and faith to encounter you in the simplest of moments that we'd be saints who who notice amen in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.